Come on, if he's been good to you today, give him a hand of praise. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to put your hands together for our worship team. Amen. <laughs> Who travailed this morning to bring us to another dimension. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. We appreciate you. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Book of Hebrews, chapter 11. The book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and we are going to begin reading in verse 30. When you got it, say so. And it says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. After they were encircled for seven days, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received spies with peace. Father, we love you and we thank you so much, Lord God, for your presence, for your blessing, Lord God. We thank you for moving among us today. And Lord, we ask you that even as you have moved, Lord God, and have spoken to many of our hearts, that you would continue to do so this morning. Father, we ask that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church. And, Father, that you would utilize these next few moments, dear Lord, to instill faith, Lord God, to equip us, dear Lord, to fight this good fight, dear Lord, to run this race that is set before us, dear God. Father, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase. Lord God, that I would be a vessel that is fully used by you, Lord God, to speak your counsel into the hearts of your people, Lord. God, I thank you for the privilege that it is to share with the body of Christ the truths of your word. May you be glorified in all that I say and all that I do and in us, Lord God. May you be glorified as we live out and apply your word, not hearers alone, Father. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, someone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. In this scripture that we are dealing with, I have been dealing with for about the last eight weeks, glory to God, this would be week number eight of us going through this, what we have called or many have called the Hall of Faith. The writer of the book of Hebrews is doing something, and it's important that he does this because he is giving an encapsulated recount of the true significance of those historical stories that were passed down from generation to generation. And what I mean is that, you know, the children of Israel were not, you know, much different than a lot of our families. Praise the name of the Lord. And what I mean is, you know, some of us have heard those stories, you know, where we start to complain to our parents and our parents say, when I was your age, I remember walking to school 15 miles in the snow with no shoes, glory to God. You know, we get to hear these stories about how it was when mom and pop were young. And the children of Israel, they were the same way. Whenever they began to complain, whenever they began to say things that they weren't appreciative of and things of that nature, someone would come up with a historical story and recount it. And the thing is that this particular scripture or these scriptures here in chapter 11, there's only 40 verses, okay? And you're talking about thousands of years of history that he is just going on ahead and he's encapsulating for them, for the people, not just for the children of Israel, but for the Jewish converts to Christianity. 
Notice this. The Bible is written, or this particular book is called the book of Hebrews, and it is because he is writing to people who know all about all this stuff that he's talking about in here, who know about the sacrificial system, who know about all of these things that he's talking about. That's the reason why when you notice what he starts to talk about, he doesn't give you the whole story of Cain and Abel. He gives you a little picture here. He doesn't give you the whole story that Noah and the ark and the flood. He gives you a little picture here. He doesn't give you the whole story of Abraham and, and Sarah and everything. He gives you a little glimpse. He's just giving you little shots because the people that he's speaking to are familiar with this. They're people who knew their Bible. That's the reason why he told them that you should by now be teachers of the word and yet, hallelujah, you should be teaching the word, but you need us to go back and go back to these elementary principles. You have need of milk when you should be eating meat. Glory to his holy and righteous name. Hello, somebody. How many of y'all at the age that you are in here, because there might be a little baby, my little um, niece is back there, but other than my niece and maybe another couple little children up in here, how many of y'all would feel comfortable going on ahead and eating baby food every day? Mm-hmm. Nobody in here would feel comfortable eating baby food. And what the writer of the book of Hebrews is saying, he's saying, listen, you know what? Y'all are over here being y'all. Y'all supposed to be grown folk. Hello. And you're still eating baby food. Glory to God. He's saying, I want you to grasp some things because what happened is, you got to realize now, when the writer is writing this, the people were becoming, remember we were talking about Moses last week, and he said that the reproach of Christ, that there was greater reward in that than the passing pleasure of sin. You remember we were talking about that whole scenario. And what was happening was that the children who had given their life to Jesus, who had said we recognize that Jesus Christ is the Messiah we were waiting for, they were under something called persecution. Hello. And as they're going through this persecution, they just want, you know, like anybody would, because nobody likes pressure. Hello. No, no, nobody really. I mean, if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we, we don't like difficult. How many of y'all love difficult situations? Mm-hmm. Just, you, you just can't wait for the next. When everything is good, you're begging God, God, bring me difficulty. Anybody in here, glory to his name? No, no, no. We don't pray that stuff because we love it when everything is peaceful, everything is good, we don't have any issues, there's no arguments, there's no drama, glory to God. We love that. And that has been like that forever. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. It was the way God, God look, can, I, can I tell you this? God did not create us initially for drama. Hello. Glory to God. He, he created us to walk in peace, joy, love, and blessing, but, you know, sin entered the picture, and now we have issues. So they were going through persecution. Why? Because they were, as always, and it has not stopped either, because the same way that men don't like difficulty, it seems to be that men don't like to hear the name Jesus. Hello. Always trying to silence, always trying to discredit what Jesus did. And so they're going through these hardships, they're going through this difficulty, and all of a sudden the writer of the book of Hebrews comes and he gives this rundown, he gives this recount of the significance of these historical stories. And see, what happened in these stories was things that should have marked the lives of the people that were there. The children of Israel, God told them, what you need to do is when you're sitting down to eat, when you're walking down the street, whatever you are doing with your 
children. There was something that they were supposed to be doing. They were supposed to be retelling the stories of how the children of Israel came out of Egypt, how they got out of this bondage. They were supposed to be retelling the stories to their children all the time. As a matter of fact, every year when they sat down and they did the Passover meal, God instructs them and says, when your children ask you, what is the significance of this meal? Why can't we have the leaven in the bread? Why is it that we have to kill this lamb? He said, you are supposed to utilize this as a picture. So every year, you're bringing a revelation to the generations that are going to come because you know what? Not all of the people are going to remember, hello, what happened. Why? Because they weren't there. And so you know what, church? It is our responsibility to do the same thing for our children. Amen? Nudge somebody, say, hello, neighbor. You got to be reminding the children of the things that God did for them. So he goes and he's breaking this story down. And he shows them that these situations, these circumstances should inspire us, they should empower us, and they should encourage us to continue forward no matter the obstacle, no matter the crisis, no matter the circumstance. For, for God is faithful to accomplish his purpose in us while we remain here on the earth. This is what he's saying. He's saying these stories of faith, all of these things are to encourage you. That you know what? The same way that you go through hardship, these people went through hardship. And so the question is, are you going to go on ahead and act like they did when they were going through hardship? Or are you going to go ahead and go your own route? How are you going to respond to the difficulty? Because what the writer is also trying to point out is that all of these things that these people went through is all because of what? Because they were looking forward to a promise. They were looking forward to a Messiah that was coming. And that is the reason why they went through all of the tribulation, all of the trial, all of the hardship, and all of the difficulty. It was because of those things. And so church, this is what he's saying. He's saying you are looking forward to the Savior who is going to return. The Savior is going to reign on this earth. But while you are waiting, you are going to go through some hardship and some difficulty. So let me remind you of our forefathers. Let me remind you of their response to trial. Let me remind you of their response to difficulty because when you go through difficulty, when you go through the hell, when you go through the high waters, when you go through the perplexing situations and the circumstances, when you face those things, you have got to not just look at where you are, but look at what God has brought you through. Hello. You need to not only look at what is going on right now, but you've got to be able to look back for a moment and think about the trial that I was in a while back and the Lord brought me through. And, 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 and if that's not good enough, praise the name of the Lord, let me help you to look at the lives of these other folks. Let me help you to look at the lives of these other people who walked through, had promises just like you, and yet they went through situations that didn't seem right. Hello. See, these people, they had something, church. They had something that was a resolve of faith. And you know what their faith did? Shaped history. Hello. It shaped history enough for them to make it into this rundown of people who did these great and wonderful things. They shaped history. And what do they do? They give us a glimpse. This is what, this is what happens. When you're looking at these situations here, you are getting a glimpse of the future glory. 
when you're looking at these things that were accomplished through Abraham, through Isaac, through Jacob, through Joseph, you're looking at the things that, that were accomplished through Noah, you look at the things that were accomplished, and you are literally getting a glimpse into the future. But what do you mean, Bishop? I'm looking backwards. How am I getting a glimpse of the future? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so when I'm looking back at what he did, I am literally looking, looking forward at what he is going to do in my life. Y'all ain't saying nothing. When I'm looking back over what his testimony is, when I'm looking back at his resume, see, when you or me go into a place and we give a resume, what our resume says is this is where I have been, this is what I have learned, this is what I have done, therefore, this is what I'm going to bring into your situation. If you give me this job, I am going to walk into this place and all of my experiences that I had over here and every accomplishment, they all come with me. Everything that I ever went through, everything that I ever experienced, I'm bringing all of that right here. And when God goes on ahead and decides that he is going to inspire the writer of the book of Hebrews to give us this line of faith, you know what he's doing? Here's my resume. Here, here is my resume. Here is what I have done. And so if you will allow me, if you will trust me, if you will accept my ways, I'm going to enter into your situation and I am going to bring full deliverance. I am going to bring total fulfillment. I am going to bring to accomplishment everything, not some things, everything that I said I would do. This is what he says, church. The question is, are we going to allow him to have that access? Amen. Are we going to look back and look forward at the same time and be in our present situation and rejoice over who he is? What are we going to do in those situations? See, I asked the worship team to sing that third song that they sang, that I know that you are for me. You know why, church? Because sometimes we go through situations and we don't really know that he's for us. Sometimes we go through situations and we forget that if God be for us, who can be against us? We think that because we're going through a difficult situation, because we're experiencing a trialsome moment, because we're going through something that doesn't seem fair, it is as if God left us. Listen to me. He didn't leave you. He's walking you through this. He's getting you through to wherever he is trying to bring you because what? Once again, there's a greater purpose than what you're going through right now. There's a greater purpose than what you are facing at this moment. And you and I have got to get it. Listen, if one person got it, glory to his holy and righteous name. I'm going to just say this, and I don't want to offend nobody, but it's going to happen anyway. Glory to God. But I could tell that there was a minority that was getting it when we were singing it. You know how I could tell? Because the roof is still on this place. 
Mm-hmm. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I know, I, but 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 if you see, because I know how I was responding when I was there in worship, and it's not because I'm going through all kind of hell and all this and that. Listen, it is encouraging to know when I'm on the top of the mountain as well as when I'm on the bottom of the mountain that He is for me. Because see, I know this much. I know that right now I might be in the middle or on the top or whatever, and may not be in the lowest moment. But I realize the way these cycles go. Glory to God. And I realize that I'm gonna need this word. Maybe not today, but I better celebrate him now because as I'm celebrating him he is writing something inside of my spirit so that way when I get to the low point of the valley he will be able to lift me up and I remember that song that said I know that you are for me and I know that you will never leave me nor forsake me when in my weakness you see church God wants us to understand that these folks that we read about all of them were in our shoes. And you know what they were filled with? They were filled with faith. And so this morning I want to talk to you for the next couple of minutes about a message that I have entitled, Certifiably Faithful. Certifiably Faithful. You know, when we talk about someone, that person is certifiable. What we mean is that person done lost their mind. They have demonstrated to us on many levels and many occasions that there's something wrong with them up there. Hello. And my question for you this morning is, can we talk about you like that when it comes to faith? Are you certifiably insane in your belief in Christ? Are you certifiably full of faith no matter what you're facing? And you know what? It, it, it ain't about you answering me yes or no. I want you to think for a moment. And everybody that surrounds you, see, the people who certify you as being crazy, those are the folks that are around you. Those are the folks that see you when you're supposed to be acting normal and you're acting crazy. Hello. Hello, somebody. And so the question is, would the folks around you certify that you are full of faith. Would they certify that? Would they say, you know what? Vanessa Banos, full of faith. Certifiable. She needs to be in the faith asylum. <laughs> Will they say that about? Because see, what I know is that when you look at these people, listen, y'all, they were certifiable. Hello. You look at a guy like Abraham, you know he was certifiable, glory to God. I mean, I didn't get into much detail when I was talking about his walk up that mountain. But listen, y'all, he was walking up a mountain to kill his son. Hello. Where do you think you would be today if you were walking down the road about to kill your child? Hello? Yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, okay. You know, I wasn't really going to kill him. Oh, no. Well, you will have your day in court, but for right now, glory to God, we taking your child from you, and we're going to lock you up somewhere. Hello. There'll be a restraining order you can't get within 500 feet of your child. Hello. This person was certifiably insane. You look at Moses. Listen, Moses escaped Egypt, not because he was afraid, but he escaped Egypt by the skin of his teeth. The Bible says Pharaoh found out that he was what? That he had killed that Egyptian who was beating up the Israelite. And when Moses knew it, the Bible said he was afraid. It didn't say he left because he was afraid. It said he feared. He said, man, everybody's going to know this. And then all of a sudden, the scripture tells us that Moses fled from the presence of of the Pharaoh because what? Because Pharaoh was going to go on ahead and was killing him, right? Okay. So he was certifiably insane when what? When he decided he was going to go back to Egypt and go and tell the Pharaoh. I'm going to come and talk to the one. I don't think it was the same Pharaoh, but hear me, hear me. 
you know, pharaohs, they talk to each other. Be like, listen, there was this one guy. He was my stepson or something like that. He was, he was some kind of son or grandson. And I just want to let you know his name is Moses. This is what he looks like, glory to God. And if he ever comes back, if he ever steps back into Egypt, you got to kill him because this guy thinks he's a deliverer. Certifiably insane. He was, cra- he, he, was, he was out of his mind. Look, y'all, y'all got to understand Moses for a moment because I, I, want, I want to paint this picture for you. When he went out there, the Bible says that it came into his heart to go out there and visit his people. You know what he did? He's looking around. He's trying to check the, you know, see how everything is. And he looks. This is what the scripture tells us. He looks and he sees an Egyptian beating up one of his brothers. Look to the left. Look to the right. Come here, man. You ain't supposed to be doing this. Killed the dude, buried him, and walked away and said, all right, I'm coming out here tomorrow. I'm going to do it again. Y'all think I'm joking? That's what he came out there for the next day because you know what? Moses understood there was something about him. He was a deliverer in heart. He was a deliverer in nature. And and, and instead, see, he said, well, you know what? I'm going to do it this way. Piece by piece, Egyptian by Egyptian, what's going to happen is the Pharaoh's all of a sudden going to see. He's going to wait wait a second. What's going on in my army? We had 200 dudes. Now we got like 200, I mean 150. And and he's going to start questioning what's going on. And what's happening is Moses got an idea. He got a plan, glory to God. He's, he, he's, he's going to deliver them one by one. You want to beat them up and see what's going to happen is then people are going to be like, you know, we can't do it. We can't, touch the, we can't touch the children of Israel because they got to deliver, right? But God said, that ain't how I want you to do it. I got to let them know what's going on. So then he done lost his mind to go back into that place, wouldn't you say? To go back to the place that he knows he's going to die. He knows that he is, he, he is on America's, on Egypt's most wanted, glory to God. <laughs> Wanted dead, not alive, wanted dead, glory to God. They want him dead. They, 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 they don't want to put him in prison. He's already, he's already done. What does he do? Church, because he had a word from God. He had a revelation from God. What does he do? He certifies for all of us that he was out of his right mind, but that he was filled with faith. We all know about Noah. We'll talk about him for a moment, but my goodness, there was no kind of flood the way that he was describing. Wasn't no ships. It wasn't nothing like that, glory to God. He said, all right, I'm going to go ahead and build this ark. I'm, I'm, not, going to, I'm not going to find water to build. I mean, this, this guy is crazy, glory to his name. He said, I am not going to leave to go find the bay. I'm not going to find some water. I'm not doing that. I am going to, in the middle of this dry land that I live in, glory to God, in the middle of this deserted area, I am going to build up this monstrous ark. You think he was crazy? They thought he was out of his mind, but he had what, church? He had a word from God that said, listen, God said he's going to do this. Y'all go ahead and call me crazy. Y'all going to be saying I'm crazy when this thing starts to break up and rain starts coming down, and all of a sudden me and, the, you know, them animals are up in there and we good to go. Y'all going to be out here banging. Please let us in. Uh-huh. Certifiably insane. Can I tell you something, church? God is looking for some folks who will be certifiably full of faith who will be certifiably filled with faith. And so the first thing I want us to point out here and repeat this with me, God's revelation should produce in us faith-filled anticipation. When God gives us a word or a revelation, and we look at verse 30 here in chapter 11, and it says, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. 
Now, now I want you to notice something that the Bible says that these walls came down by faith because of what? Because there was no military tactic. There was no military strategy that they had. They didn't go in there, and while they were walking around, it wasn't like, okay, listen, here's what's going to happen. While you guys are walking around, we're going to go ahead and we're going to put some detonators in every single, you know, 10 steps, and that's why it's going to take us seven days. We're going to go ahead and put some, you know, some dynamite here, and then when we go ahead and we blow the trumpet, you're going to light that, you know, the, the, the thing there that's going to, you know, run and cause. No, it wasn't nothing like that, y'all. Hello. God, God goes on ahead. Joshua gets his revelation, sees this angel or this man. He says it was a man. So it's the angel of the Lord that's standing there with a sword drawn. And Joshua goes and says, are you for us or are you, you know, against us? And he says, no. Nope. He said, I'm not for you. I'm, not I'm for the Lord. Glory to God. And he says, you know, you're going to go in here and we're going to give this land to you. And he gives him the plan. He says, here's the plan. I got my sword drawn. All I want you to do is praise me. I, I'm going to take care of this. I want you to walk around that city. You're going to walk around this city for seven days. Now listen to me. You got to listen. You got to see. See, when you, when you get a revelation from God, listen to me, church. This is so, so important for us. When you or I get a revelation from God, if it is in the word of God, let me, let, let me encourage you. I do this all the time. When I, whenever God speaks to me on something and I get like a thought or whatever that, you know, and, and I'm like, man, this is really good. You know what I start doing? I start reading the scriptures over and over again. I start referencing scriptures over and over again. You know why? Because I don't want to miss a detail. Because our God proves to us in the book of Exodus all by himself, he proves to us how detail-oriented he is. He proves to us how specific he is when he says something. If he said, make it six inches, it better be six inches, not six and three quarters. It shouldn't be, you know, six inches and an eighth. No, no, no. It should be six inches. That is what he said. He is precise. He shows clearly what he wants. And so it is important that we pay attention to the details because he is crystal clear in what he expects. He's not trying to hide nothing from us. He gives you a plan. He wants to do something with you. This is the way you're going to do it. That's the reason why it's very simple. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. Very simple, very detailed. He didn't say, you know, there's a couple of different ways for you to get here. That isn't what he said. He said he, he gave us a way in order for us to bring people to Christ. How do we do that? Preach the gospel. Hello? Don't, don't. He, he didn't say do some big advertising campaign in order to draw a whole bunch of people to a place and then feed them a bunch of food and just tell them, don't, don't, don't give them the gospel. Just tell them about, you know, just, just God loves them. Don't, don't tell them about their sin. Don't tell them that. Is, is that, is that. Was that the detail that God gave us to follow church? So we realize that God is detail-oriented. So he comes to the children of Israel, comes to the leader Joshua, and says, Joshua, here's what you're going to do. You're going to walk around this city for seven days. First six days, this is what you're going to do. People are going to walk around. You're going to have the Ark of the Covenant. You're going to have the seven trumpeters, the priests. They're going to have those shofars. And when they're walking around every day, they're going to blow the trumpet. They're going to make a sound. That's what they're going to do. But the people, they're not to say a word. For six days, that's what you're going to do. Then on the seventh day, you're not going to walk around one time. You're going to walk around seven times. And each time, the first six times that you walk around, the people are not going to make a noise. But when they hear the long blast, 
when they hear the sound of the trumpet, the way that it's going to sound, that is the time that everybody's going to shout. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. I want you to just put yourself in their position. How nerve-wracking do you think that would be, y'all? You see, you and I, I know, I don't, I'm going to just talk about me for a moment. I would be so excited about the fact that this thing was going to become our land, that we were going to, these walls were going to, I was going to see something that was absolutely miraculous, that every time that I would hear the, 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 the trumpet blast, I think that I'd be like, mm, trying to make some noise, hello. Holding it back because what? Because I am so excited. You know, you, you, you ever seen music, you know, musicians or, you know, music ministry, not necessarily ours because ours is just wonderful. Glory to God. This never happens to them. But praise the Lord. You know, in some places, hallelujah, you know, you'll, they, 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 they'll be playing and all of a sudden one person will come in and everybody else like kind of leaves them alone. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's because what? They were anticipating. They were excited and they missed the cue. Hello. They missed the cue of when it was time to come in. And so God tells them, listen, I am going to cause these walls to fall down, and it is not going to be because when your collective voices come together that it is going to cause a vibration in the atmosphere that is going to cause, it isn't because of that. It isn't because you're not going to be loud enough to shout loud enough to make, that isn't what happened, church. He said, listen, you're going to walk around, and you're going to get your heart right for those six days, and then for those six times on the seventh day, you're going to, your heart is going to be be, be gaining this anticipation and then on the seventh time around when the trumpet sounds and they make the long blast everybody is going to shout and what's going to happen the walls are going to come down the walls that are separating you from your next level are going to come down and how is that going to happen it is going to be by this wonderful thing called faith and here's, here, here's why we got to pay attention to detail. Because God has privileged you and I to be what, church? His children. And he's shown us his principles. He's been precise on those. He has been specific and giving us strategic guidelines. And what happens is that when we are irreverent or we dishonor what he is saying and we don't comply, you know what we're doing when God gives us a strategy and we try to figure it out on our own? You know what we're doing, church? We're slapping God right in the face and saying, you know what? I don't really trust you to do this. What are you talking about, Bishop? Well, you know, I use an example of Sarah. <clears throat> I believe the book of 1 Peter tells us, talks to wives. And it says, wives, if you are married to an unsaved person, right? What does it say to do? It says to, play, it, it says to paste scriptures all over the house. It says to preach as hard as you can to that unsaved man. It says to make sure that you are just loud, radical. Is that what the scripture says? It, that's not what the scripture says, is it? The scripture says to be quiet. Mm-hmm. Mm, glory to God. To be quiet and that your, that's what it says, and that your godly behavior it's going to do what? It's going to save him. It's going to win him to Christ. But you know what we do? Let me tell you what we do. Not we, because, you know, we all good, glory to God, but some folks in those type of situations, some other churches, hallelujah. He's not saved. I want him to love Jesus. So I'm going to do my best to just shove Jesus down his throat, glory to God. 
I'm going to have every, every, every program that comes, Christian programming. Here, look, here, I'm going to make him just feel uncomfortable. Do you think that's going to win him to Christ? No. Why? Because those things are not right? No, church, listen, it is right for you to watch Christian programming. Glory to God. It is good for you to paste scriptures up all over your house. For what? So you can remember about the things, or you, should, you can remember the things that you should be doing. And that, that, that's wonderful stuff. But that is not what God says specifically for us to do. Is it? No. He says this is what is going to win them over. So you know what we do? We want to make our own plans. But it is important for us that we trust God's plan. Wait a minute, you're saying that I got to be silent? If that's your situation, amen, somebody. If that is your circumstance, then being silent is what, and you know what, you see, here's the beauty of this, is when you go into your prayer closet and you come before God Almighty, you want to know what happens? It's not your plan, it's his plan. It's not your way, it's his way. It's not your desire, it's his desire. I got to say this because I just feel like I need to say this. This scripture here that I'm using for an example when it talks about the unsaved husband and the saved wife, this is not a license to go and marry someone who is not saved. Did you hear what I just said? For those of you that are not married, glory to God, this is not saying, you know, well, God, I got a promise, Lord. You said... That, you know, because I think he's cute or I think she's cute or whatever, and I think they got it all together, I can marry them and you're going to win them over. That is not what the scripture says. Because there's another scripture that will precede that one which says you should not be unequally yoked. Amen? Amen. I just want to clarify that because, you know, some folk be like, well, you know, it's okay to marry an unsaved person. No, it's not. What, is, what, what, what the example here is is that you were married in an unsaved manner and you gave your life to Jesus. Hello? You came to Christ, and now you're in a situation where your spouse is a non-believer. You are a believer, and so this is the way you deal with the situation. But the beauty of this is that when we abide by the plan and the purpose of God, it's his to accomplish. And you know what also happens? He gets all the glory. See, because if the children of Israel would have went around putting bombs all over the place and then lighting up wicks or whatever and sending that stuff on fire, if they would have been doing that, you want to know what would have happened, church? They would have got the glory for this whole situation. Hello? They would have got the God said, no, 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 I want to get the glory, so it's going to be by faith. So that's the first thing. The first thing is that when we have a revelation from God, it should produce in us an anticipation. And here's what happens when you have an anticipation. When you have an anticipation, there is something called action, church. Whenever you anticipate something, I remember when I was a kid and my mom, I don't know, man, I, I was just like really persistent. Always, always, always. When I wanted something, I was going to get it. And I want you to know something. My wife says, I still am. Praise the Lord. I haven't lost that trait. That's a good trait. Glory to God. But here's the thing. I remember going to my mother, and, and, and she already, now I want you to hear this. She already told me no. She, 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 look, she, she made it clear before we got home. She made it clear. It, it was on television, and she's like, you ain't going there. You know, you know, you know moms are good about that stuff. Glory to God. Don't, don't, don't even think about it. It, it ain't going to happen. And can I tell you something? Because of my relationship with her, I would go and I would beg and beg and beg and until my mother would get sick and tired of me begging and say yes. Can I tell you something? Never once in my mind did I think she was ever going to say no. What do you mean, Bishop? She already said no. No, she didn't say no to me. Glory to God. 
She, she was making a statement prior to me asking, hallelujah. But I knew my relationship, and I knew that my mother would get tired of me asking her. And you look, young people, don't get crazy, hallelujah. All right, if your mama said no, your daddy said no, leave them alone, glory to God. But listen, I knew that if I continued to ask, and I continued, you see, that what happened was there was an anticipation. Now pay attention. There was an anticipation because I had a resume glory to God with my mother praise the name of the Lord and I knew what would happen if I continued to do this because in that given situation this was her response glory to God once again when I sat down with her and I began to communicate with her began to talk to her began to ask her never did I doubt I knew that at some point I don't know what point I did not know when this was going to happen I did not know when the breakthrough was going to be there glory to God but I knew, hallelujah, that there was a breakthrough coming, praise the Lord. Listen, church, I use this as an example because I had an anticipation. I had an expectation. And what did I do? I continued to pursue the answer that I was seeking because I knew I could get it. Are, are you getting this, church? It becomes the same thing when we are walking with God. When you have a revelation from God in his word, when you have a revelation from God in your heart and in your soul, it is important that you go on ahead and that you get the specific details, the specific strategy, and that you continue on to persevere, that you continue on to move forward in that same direction. Don't waver to the left. Don't waver to the right. Move forward in what God says for what? So that way by faith you will see him accomplish his will amen second thing and, and, and the last thing that I want you to repeat with me is this limited revelation of God is not an excuse for limited faith in him See, the first story here we have, and, 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 and when, when I was reading this initially and, and beginning to study it out, I was like, okay, you know, the walls of Jericho fell down. And then I heard about, you know, Rahab, and I was like, okay. But then when I began to read the scripture, it all dawned on me that this gives me a wonderful picture of two different types of people in this. The first group of people are the children of Israel. They just spent 40 years in the desert. They have 40 years of God's commands being communicated to them. They have 40 years of God's promises and his law being communicated to them. And then we have this other person. See, it was easy, you would think, for them to trust God and be silent when they were walking around those six days, when they were walking around those six times, and then to shout on the seventh one, fully assured of faith that the walls were going to come down. Why? Because they had a greater amount of revelation of God. But then you have this woman by the name of Rahab. She wasn't a child of, she, she wasn't one of the children of Israel, was she? No. She was from the city of Jericho. She didn't have Moses walking with her for 40 years, did she? She didn't have the revelation of the law. She didn't have any of that stuff. And yet, she makes it into this whole rundown right after the ones who had all of that. Which shows us something. It shows us that just because we are limited in our revelation, limited in our knowledge, limited in our experience with God, doesn't mean that we have a right in order to not believe him. Why? Because God gives us enough revelation for us to believe him for the impossible. So, Ray, so Rahab is here, 
And she is not a child of, not one of the children of Israel. She is probably one of the most unlikely people that you would think you would find in this whole thing of faith. Why? Well, first of all, she was a harlot, which meant she was a prostitute. Amen? You know, you know I, I, I want to read you the definition of that word. I, and, and I mean, I, we all know what it is, right? But I, I just want to read you the definition so you can kind of get a glimpse of this. It means a woman who practices sexual immorality as a profession. Okay. No, it paints the picture. A doctor, okay, has a profession. This is what they do in order to make money. They help people. They do checkups. They do all that. That is their profession. A lawyer, their profession. They defend people or they accuse people. That is their profession, right? Okay, this harlot, this is her profession. This, she sleeps with people so she can get paid. That's what she does. That was looked down upon. Do y'all think so? Hello? Yeah, it was looked down upon then. It's looked down upon now. Glory to God. So this woman was not only, now, now mind you, remember, we got to go back a little bit because remember that women weren't so highly esteemed back then anyway. So she was not only a woman, but she was a harlot. Not only that, but she wasn't even an Israelite harlot. She was a woman who was a harlot, and she wasn't even an Israelite. She didn't have a promise. Hello, church, y'all. Y'all got to be with me here. She didn't have a promise like Joshua and the children of Israel did that said, listen, you walk around this wall seven times. You saw the way I opened up the Red Sea. You saw the way that I did this over here, brought you manna from the sky, brought you quail from the sky, brought you water from the rock, how I destroyed the kings of the Amorites. You, 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 you saw me do it. She didn't have none of that, church. She heard about that stuff now. See, she had limited revelation, but it wasn't for her. All of this stuff was against her. Okay, so she's a woman. She's a harlot. She's not an Israelite. But there's also something else. She lives in a city that God has declared is going to be annihilated. Okay. Now you understand why she's in this place here? You know what God is looking for? God is looking for people who will make excuses to trust him. Do you hear what I said? Because we got tons of folks who are making excuses of why we can't trust him. God is looking for someone who will begin to make excuses as to why I can trust him. See, because that's what Rahab is. Rahab is a person who had to make an excuse in order to trust God. She didn't have all these promises. She didn't have all of this stuff that was lined up saying, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do that for you. This is my promise. It wasn't nothing like that. All she knew was that this almighty God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt and the world has heard about it. And they walked around in the desert for 40 years. He destroyed these other kings. He, she knew those things about that God. And something inside of her responded to, this, to this, this, these spies that came to look at the land where she said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to just do something right and I'm going to make these guys promise me something. I'm going to make an excuse in order to trust almighty God to get me through this situation. So what, what, what ends up happening to her church? What ends up happening is she not only saves herself, she not only saved the spies, she saved her family from destruction. Because it wasn't just for her. She wasn't saying, you know, you guys just overlook me. She said, no, overlook my father, overlook my family. Now notice it says that she didn't die with those who didn't believe. 
So it tells us that there were people who didn't believe. What, what didn't they believe? Well, if you read it, I'm going to tell you the scripture. You don't have to turn there. But if you read in the scripture in Joshua chapter 2, you will find that the Bible says that everybody's hearts melted when they heard about Israel. Because they knew that God, Jehovah God, that he was the God of heaven and earth. That he was truly the almighty God. And so it wasn't that they didn't believe that. Because the Bible tells us in the beginning of that chapter, in the beginning of chapter 6, tells us that the city of Jericho was locked up. Nobody went in and nobody came out. Why was it that way? Because they were afraid. So they believed in the wrath of God. But you know what they didn't believe, church? They didn't believe what she believed in. The mercy of God. She believed, for some reason, doesn't give us any real reason why, but for some reason, she believed that this God that had proclaimed doom to that city was going to be able to deliver her. And what does she do, church? She goes on ahead. She acts in, 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 this, in this manner of faith. When she acts in this manner of faith, what does she do? Well, these guys come to her house. She hides them. They come, the people of the city come, seeking them, because they're going to do what? They're going to kill them. Come seeking these guys. She hides them and says, listen, they're not here. They left already. Now, I want you to know God is not condoning her being deceitful, not, nothing like that. But she acted in faith, and she tells them, listen, you guys make me a promise. They make her a promise. But see, it's beautiful that she was able to save herself. That she was able to save her family, which literally means that she evangelized her family and got them to believe. Because you know what she had to do? They told her straight up, they said, listen, we're going to go ahead and we're going to honor this. But there's something, there's two things you got to have. Number one, you're going to have to have this scarlet thread or this scarlet rope hanging from your window. Because that's going to let us know where you're at. The second thing is, anybody who is not under the roof of your house during the time that this happens, they're going to be killed and their blood is not in our hands. So you know what that meant? That meant that she had to persuade them. That meant that she had to go out there and get them because, remember, she didn't perish with all of the non-believers. She didn't perish with all of the disobedient folk, but she was able to deliver her family. So what did she do? She became an evangelist under her family. Hello. So she goes, communicates to them, brings them under her house, convinces them that this God is going to deliver us, gets them to come into the house. But it's not just that because the greatest accomplishment of it all, this is the greatest one. If you read the book of Matthew, chapter 1 and verse 5, you're going to find something there. It's the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And you know whose name shows up there? Rahab. So from a despised prostitute to a peace in God's master plan for salvation. That's what she becomes. Because of what, church? Because of faith. Because she was certifiably insane. Certifiably filled with faith. These people came to her. You know what she could have done? She could have easily turned them over and said, kill them. And hopefully that would have bought us a little bit more time. But instead, she said, I'm going to do what is right here. I'm going to preserve their lives. And they said it just like this. Life for a life. You saved our life. And so now we're going to save your life and your family. But these are the things. And you know what she did? She did her part, church. But I want you to remember, she didn't have 66 books of the Bible. All she had was a revelation of the might and the power of God, and she put her life on the line to trust that God. And so my question is, and I'm closing with this, my question is, are you certifiably full of faith? Are you certifiably filled with faith, church? Are you 100% faith? 
sold out for Christ? I mean, are you 100% willing to go against whatever? Are you 100% devoted, not just from your mouth, but from your heart? And is your life demonstrating that to everyone around you? Because like I said earlier, God is looking for some folks who are willing to make excuses in order to believe God. You know what the beauty of this is? Is that you don't have to go too far to make excuses, church. All you got to do is go to the scriptures and you're not making excuses. You're declaring his promises. You see, we could sit around here and we could make excuses as to why I can't trust God with my money. Or why I can't trust God with my family. Or why I can't trust God with my future. Or why I can't trust God with these things. Oh, because, you know, I haven't seen him come through in my life. Or I don't have a testimony of, you know, he did this. And so that, that, you know what, that may be a situation. But I'm challenging you today. Listen, stop making excuses as to why you can't trust him. And start embracing his promises as to why you should trust him. As to why you should give him not a part of your life. Because he don't just want your money. He don't just want your marriage. He don't just want your children. He doesn't just want your future. He wants you. He wants all of you. Why? Because he loves you. Because he sent his son to die in your place. For what? So that way you could have life. And that you would be able to know what real life is. That way you wouldn't have to walk around being fearful. But that you'd be able to be like this Rahab. See, a lot of you in here, well, I was never a prostitute. Well, glory to God. And I, I was never that bad. But you know what? Maybe you were. Who knows? Maybe, maybe you were just the bottom of the barrel, church. Maybe that's how you feel right now. You're the outcast. And you know what? He wants to raise you up just like he did this Rahab. He wants to raise you up so that way your life can mark the lives of all of those who hear about you. He wants to raise you up the same way that he did the children of Israel and not allow anything to be an obstacle for you. But can I tell you something? It is not going to be easy. It is not going to be easy. I'm not going to stand up here and be like, yes, you know, you come to him and this is going to be easy. Listen, y'all, this woman got this promise. She tied, as soon as they left, she tied that scarlet thread up on that door. And she made sure that it stood up there. She made sure it didn't come down because she didn't. I can guarantee you that she was leaving her out her house as least as possible. Glory to God. Making sure that she didn't miss it. It's called sacrifice. Hello. And I want you to know that if you are going to be that person making a decision right here, that's going to be the easy part. Living it out when you walk out of here, that's going to be the test. Amen. So I stand on our feet and bow your heads, please.